Let's turn our Bibles to Romans chapter 5. If you're visiting with us, we're so thankful you're here. Children, make sure you turn in those, paper, those things for me. I've got some Pastor Pal bucks for you at the very end of the service. I did have someone contact me. If you, how many of you burn wood at your house for, for heat in the winter? Anybody? All right. I've got somebody that's got some wood that needs to get rid of it. If you want some, you need to come see me and I'll point you in the right direction. I'll mention that a little bit later. And so, but you make sure you think about it. I know it's the summer, it's hot, and um, it, we're not thinking about burning wood, but we need to make sure that we take care of each other. So Romans chapter 5, is this up here? All right, Romans chapter 5, we're going to talk about some things today. And before we get into it, we're going to read it in just a second. Turn to Romans 5, and as you look, one of, one of the things we're talking about right now is hope. We all need some hope, don't we? You, you look at the world and you look at the news and you look at everything going on, there's not a lot, of, a lot of hope in there. But I want to show you what Romans chapter 5 says. Let's go Romans chapter 5, 1 through 5. Let's go ahead and stand. I'm going to read the first verse, then you're going to read the second, and I'll read the third, you read the fourth, and the fifth, I'll read. So listen to it as we go through this. It says this in Romans chapter 5, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom so we have by faith, unto this grace, wherein we stand, and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. When you look at these, these verses in, in Romans um, Romans chapter 5, it's interesting. There's two things that he does with it. He breaks it down into the good times and the bad times. Good times are easy to figure out where hope is. Let's read this one more time. Start in verse number 1 and just follow along with me. It says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into His grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So here we're going to talk about the good times because there's a lot of things that go on in here. The first thing, if you notice, is faith. God wants you to have faith. In the good times. There's nothing, and that's not a hard thing to do. But as you read it, it even actually says that word. It says, therefore, being justified by faith. We don't know what's going to happen in this world, but we sure do know, know a Savior that does. We sure do have a God that does know what's going on. And he talks about faith. And then the second one, he talks about peace. Now, I can tell you this. If I watch the news for very long, you're not going to see much peace. You're going to see chaos. You're going to see turmoil, tribulations as you go. And I want to say this. It says, keep reading. It says, we have peace with God. And how do we have it? We talked about this. Where's hope come? Through Jesus Christ. Read that verse. It says that, uh, that peace comes, that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where you get your peace. And the next one is this. It says, grace, if you keep reading in verse number two, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace. What does grace mean? Grace is what God gives us. And so when you, in the good times, it's easy to understand that we have faith, peace, grace. And the last one is this, hope. I don't know what, what you're going through. I don't know financially, physically what you're going through, um, just family-wise, but we can still have hope. I love having hope in some things. And I was, I was looking at it, the next verse. Now, I added the word Christ because that's who the home, whom is. It says, by whom Christ also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. It's a very interesting statement that he says in this. Look at these words again. It says, by faith into, into this grace wherein what? We stand. 
We can have hope and we can have a standing hope and we know it's there, it's firm, and rejoice in hope. How many of you like to rejoice in things? If I walked up to you and said, here, I've got a hundred dollar bill for you and I gave it to you, would you be rejoicing over it? I would. Because we like to have things happen to us and it says here, and rejoice in the hope. We can't rejoice in very many things, but we sure can rejoice in the hope that God gives us. And these are the good times that, that, that um, um, Paul writes this. Because in the same verse, and no one wants to look at this, this is a tough times. Now this is the one where you see the listing is very clear and distinct what's going to happen. He starts writing the, the church in Rome and in verse number three, and it says, not only so, because he's referring to the good times, now he's referring, referring to the bad times, we glory in tribulations. How many of you this morning when you woke up, the first thing you, you said after you felt the earthquake, amen? How many of you felt the earthquake? Raise your hand. All right. I didn't feel the earthquake. I was driving at the time, but, um, but um, my, my daughter over in North Carolina, she really felt it. Um, so it woke her up, but then she went right back to sleep. She didn't care. This one right actually, you know, someone ran into her house. She didn't know. She just, oh, what is that? Let's, we'll figure it out when we get up. So, and if she's listening, I apologize. Okay, so, um, tribulation. How many of you woke up after the earthquake and said, Lord, send some tribulation my way? No one does that. But the Bible says that we can, we, we, through this tribulation, something happens. But we glory, there's that word again, glory in the hope and the peace in the verse number two. But in this, this third verse, it talks about glorying in tribulations also. And he, he points this out. He says, listen, and if there's any distinct matter, he says the good times you need, to, you need to have hope. And in the bad times you need to have hope. And the first thing that's going to happen is a tribulation. Something's going to come in your life in the tough times. And sometimes I feel like that plant up there. You ever feel like that? I don't know about you, but there's places where I want to grow grass and it won't grow. Then there's other places I don't want grass to grow and it grows. And so sometimes I feel like that little, little flower up there. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But you know, as you look at it, we need to have some hope. The first thing that's going to happen is tribulation. What happens when you go through tribulation and you still have hope in Christ? The next one, you find patience. Now, how many of you woke up this morning and prayed for patience? Does anybody pray for patience in here? If you do, you're better than I am because I don't pray for patience. God teaches me patience. But I don't pray for it. But look what it says. Tribulation, when, some, when a problem comes into your life, man, that tribulation will make you patient. It always does. I'm sitting up here right now, and I'm telling you, that's not even got to do with my health. It's got to do something else. That God is teaching me through a tribulation to be patient. And so you have patience, and no one likes patience. You know what we are? We're the, we're the slurpers or the jigglers. You say, what does that mean? You go to Cracker Barrel, and guess what? Your, your drink runs out. What do you do? You either slurp so your guy can hear it, or your lady can hear it, or you jiggle the glass so she knows it's empty. Because bless God, we want our tea, and we want it now. How many of you are like that? You don't need to raise your hand, but I know some of you do that. Or you put your cup where they can see it. Or when they come up, you put the cup up so they know it's empty. You know, and so you're sitting there. We're not a patient group. But tribulation, watch this step, tribulation will get you where you have to hope in something. Even in the bad times, and guess what? The next thing is it teaches you patience. Because let me tell you something about a tribulation. You can't change it. You could try all you want, but if you're truly a Christian in here, you've got to realize that God is in control of everything and God tries to teach you things. 
I think one of the most patient people in the Bible is Noah. Took over a hundred years to build that boat. How many of you have ever been to see the ark? Up there, raise your hand if you've seen the ark. You need to go. Because you don't realize the magnitude of that thing until you go there and you look at it. It's like, oh my word, this is gigantic. I mean, you just think of all the, tier, the, the levels on it. You think of all the wood that it took to do. And he had to go out and get the trees and bring them in and build this ark. And God gave him specific details. It took him a long time. It took some patience. And this was a tribulation. I, I, I think in his mind, I, if I was Noah, I would remember the day that God told me to build that ark. I'd have it etched in my mind. It was this day of the month. It was this day of the year. It was this, this time that he told me to build this. And now I'm building it. And through my tribulation, guess what? He teaches me patience. So the next one is this. Through patience, when you go through something, guess what? It gives you experience. Why does God send you through this? Let's read the scriptures. It says in verse number three, And not only so, so we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience. If you look at the experience when you go through something, guess what? You're going to be able to help people because of the experience that you went through. That's why my wife wrote that book that she has. She helps people through the experience she went through. You, you go through things and you can sit there and go, hey, I can help you through this because I've been through it. I don't know what God's trying to teach me at this particular time, but I can tell you, I understand tribulation. I understand it, patience. I understand experience. Because at the very end of that, once you get through it and you understand through the tough times, you go through these things. The fourth one's a good one. The fourth one, you have hope in all these aspects. You have hope in your tribulation. You have hope in your patience. You have hope in your experience. Paul, um, um, Paul says this. Keep reading. It says, and hope and experience hope. And it says, hope maketh not ashamed. We're not ashamed with it. So we've got to see that God wants us to do something. He wants us to see that when we go through problems, He's still there. Aren't you thankful that God is still there? And so as you look at this, look at this verse. The word because. Because explains why something's in there. Keep reading in verse number 4. It says, in patience, experience, and experience hope. It says this, it says in verse number 5, And hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. See, we had something, we have something that the disciples did not have when they walked around with Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit indwells you and He, he helps you with things. He's the comforter. And He can give you comfort through your tribulation. He can give you the patience through your tribulation. He can give you the experience through your tribulation. And even through that, He'll give you hope. And I'm not teaching you anything you don't know, but when we look at hope, because is a big word. It says, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. People need to see hope in your life. If you're one that's always miserable and you, you, everything's bad, going the wrong direction, I don't like this, I don't like that, then you invite someone to church. You think they're going to come? Oh, they want to see what kind of church you're going to. Amen. They, they want to see hope in your eyes. They want to see hope when you talk to them. Everything's not doom and gloom. And I'm tired of the doom and gloom, aren't you? And people ask, well, when's this going to be over? I don't know. He's still in the patience mode with me. I'm still waiting to see what God's going to do with it. But God has a plan. You know, I, I see things happening that I never thought I would see. I was in Walmart yesterday, and I, I wanted to buy something. I had something that they don't understand. It's called cash. Hello? 
So I went in there where you self-checkout. I said, do any of these take cash? No, we don't accept that. What? I said, you don't, you, we don't accept them. I said, how about these over here that are the same thing that there's just a person watching? They said, we don't accept them. You have to go through line. Well, how many of you have been to Walmart seeing the line that's in there? It t- I would have been out 30 minutes before. God is teaching me through patience and experience to have hope. Because I was in there for a half hour waiting to use my cash that I thought the government liked, but apparently Walmart doesn't. And I, was, I, was ta- I don't know who I was talking to. How many of you have ever heard this statement? Would you like to round up your bill? You know, I want to say, next time they said it to me, I said, no, but I'm perfectly fine with rounding it down. They never asked that. One lady asked me that, and it was like $3.10. Like $3. Would you like to round it up? <laughs> well, of course not. You know, we've got to make sure we understand what we're doing right now. Now, let me ask you this question. Our hope is in the vision of our future. Vision of a future in my life, the, the future is, is heaven. But have you ever looked at this and, and, and you see a flower like that, you see something growing in a place where it's not supposed to, do you ever feel like this? Here's two questions to ask yourself. How did I get here? Because you look at this flower, it's a beautiful flower. God created it and God wants it to live. But you know what? It's not, it's not planted in the right spot. So that's sometimes how we feel in our situations. We don't know where the hope is, but we sure see the concrete all the way around us. And what, do you, what does a flower need? A flower needs dirt to grow. So my question to you is, do you ever feel like this? And the second question was, how did I get here? When, there's, when it seems hopeless around you, God still wants to hear you sing. And the last question you'll ask yourself is, will I survive? Will I survive this? I mean, it's almost apocalyptic right now, isn't it? When you see the food and you see, I mean, I never dreamed in a million years that I would be able to go to any store and not be able to find paper towels and toilet paper. If I'd have told you that last year, you'd be going, oh, I don't believe that. That's never going to happen. We don't know what's right around the corner. But I can tell you, God put us in a place to make us who we need to be. So sometimes hope is obvious. We find hope when we, when we know where we're at. This, this picture up here shows a man sitting on the Word. He knows where it's at. But you know, there's other times you really have to look for it. You have to look for the word hope. But it's there, and our hope is not in us. It's the, our hope is not in our situation. Our hope is in Christ. You're either going to believe it or you're not going to believe it. Other times you have to search for it. We, what we have studied with hope just recently, and I'll give you a little synopsis of We talked about miracles. I'm not done looking at miracles. You know, when you see a miracle Jesus does in the, in the Gospels, you, you, you're amazed at what He can do. I mean, He can make something out of nothing. He can make a blind man see that has never seen a day in their life. He can, he can raise Lazarus from the dead, a daughter from the dead. He can do all these things. You have hope in stories like that. But you also have hope in the power that God has. Because if it wasn't for the power, the miracles would not take place. Another one we looked at was being faithful. God wants us to be faithful. There's hope in being faithful. And I know there's some people that, that can't come to the services at this time, and I understand that. I don't want you to come if you don't feel comfortable coming. But we need to be faithful. Be faithful at home, watching it. I always like it when people um, tell me, oh, I saw your video. Um, yesterday, Daniel, we were doing a video. Where's Daniel? Is he in here? All right, Daniel was doing a video. And, and I don't like doing this. I don't, the weirdest part about doing Sunday night videos 
I'm doing them on Saturday, and then I'm talking about what we learned on Sunday morning. And I get confused sometimes, and, I'll, and sometimes I've done the videos in the morning, and I'll say good morning, and it's, and it's supposed to be good evening. And so yesterday, maybe Daniel will show it to you, I started the video, and I just lost it. I had, I had no idea. I, I wanted to say something, then I started going, <laughs> and then I looked right at the camera, and I said, Daniel, edit this out. Well, I thought he would edit it out, so you know what he does this morning? He sends me that portion that he's taken out. See, I'm at the mercy of Daniel. I'm going to throw him in a lion's den, see how he endeavors, amen? But as I look at this, I think sometimes we've got to see that we've got to be faithful. Remember my story. You know why people aren't faithful? What was the word I used? That you, to be faithful, you have to be what? Forgiving. Because if you're not forgiving on somebody, watch this, if you're not forgiving to somebody, you won't be faithful to the Lord and you won't be faithful to the Lord's house. Because there's inevitably somebody in this room is going to make you mad. You're not going to believe the same thing. They're going to say something to you that could hurt your feelings. You just need to get over it and forgive them. Because if you don't forgive them, what's the aspect we talked about? You want to stay faithful. And, and, and Satan knows if he can get you where you won't forgive somebody, guess what? You'll be over here and you'll be full of bitterness. There's people that don't go to church today because they're bitter about something. Mad at what the preacher said, mad at what somebody else said, mad at what the deacon said. Mad at, mad at what the, the person said, hey, that's my row, don't, don't sit. And I was teasing people, I think I was teasing the Kearns, I said, you're sitting on the wrong side. And she said, no, we're sitting on the right side. Now see, on my side, she's sitting on the left, but when she's sitting, it's on the right side. You know, sometimes we move around, I mean, I, Easterlings, they have not been to the front of the church and I don't know how long. And their kids just left them, they're in the back. So we, we sit back there and we see how God does things. Be faithful. The, the fourth one we looked at was the gift last Sunday morning. Let's finish the verse. For God so loved the world, say it with me, that He gave... We talked about that everlasting life, the gift. And if you listen to Sunday night, we talked about having a merry heart. You know what? You can have hope and a smile. You can smile through things. Learn to laugh. We've gotten where we can't laugh at anything. We're going to be politically incorrect if we laugh at something. I mean, and you could find something. I remember growing up, my age, what were all the jokes about? It was a, per, a certain person. What was it? Polish people. Remember that? I mean, there was Polak jokes everywhere. And, you know, I would tell Pollock jokes, and I didn't even know a Pollock. And then I found out if they had the word ski behind their name, they're probably a Polish person. And that's the only people I would know. And, and you know what? I had nothing against Pol Polish people. If you're Polish in here, I'm glad you're Polish. I don't know if we have Polish. we have anybody that's in Polish descent in here? Raise your hand. Okay, we got one. <laughs> All right. Don't be telling Pollock jokes. But you know, we get where we can't laugh anything anymore. Sorry, brother. Okay. I'm going to take you out to lunch next week, okay? All right. So we've got to have a merry heart. So let me give you something that I, I feel like you need to know. Number one, adults in here, especially when you have children, everything is a teaching moment. Everything is. There's been times when things have happened when my kids are around. I said, listen, I want to show you something and why, why we shouldn't do that or why we should do that. Everything's a teaching moment. Number two, God keeps an accurate record. And you know, there's hope in that. 
Because God's watching us. Number three, people are watching you. I had a, um, my uncle just passed away and he was six foot six. And um, he would mimic everything that you did. He had, when he was younger, he had whooping cough and pneumonia. His brain cells burn up. He was like a, a five-year-old. And um, we call, his, his Uncle Dink is what we called him. And I remember he would imitate anything you did. If you sat and you crossed your legs, he'd cross his legs. One time we were at a basketball game and my dad, he'd always sit by my dad. It was my dad, him, me, and then a whole basketball team. When my dad would cross his legs, he would cross his legs. And so we got this notion that the whole team would do the same thing. So dad would put his feet down, he would put his feet down, and then 10 guys would put their feet down. If dad would scratch his shoulder, Dink would scratch his shoulder. And I'll never forget this one time we were in church and Dink was imitating me and another guy and we, were, we got done with the song and we took the hymnal. Let me see if I got a hymnal. And we took it in the front of the, the back of the pew and we hit the back of the pew with it, flipped it up, caught it, stuck it in the book rack. Well, he does the same thing, but he hits the, hymnal, the, the pew really hard, throws it way up in the air and tries to grab it and he smacks the lady in front of him. <laughs> you know what happened? I thought it was funny. I got a spanking when I got home. But you know, you sit here and you go, people are watching you. My next question is this, who's watching you? Your neighbors are watching you. Your grand, grandkids are watching you. Your, your spouse is watching you. They're trying to see what you're made out of. I would hope that my wife could stand up and say, you know, through this whole thing, I've been the same person. I've been the same person. I'd hope she'd say that. That's really what I want to, want to be known for, being the same person. But today I'm going to give you a little different sermon and we'll be done. And it's three points real quick. I'm going to give you the points and we're going to look at the message. Really quick, the first point is this. God's vision is constant. He's constantly watching over us. And there's hope in that. Number two, God's vision is deeper. It's much deeper than ours is. And the third thing is this. God's vision is all-knowing. And all three of these things can give you hope. So how does God see? Well... God doesn't see like we see. There's a story in the Bible, and it's found in Mark 12. I don't know if you can see those words up there. Mark 12 and Luke 21, and each portion of Scripture has four verses. It's the same story found in Mark, found in Luke. It's not found in Matthew, not found in John. But it's an interesting little story, and I want you to turn with me. Go to Mark chapter 12. We're going to look at one verse in Luke, but, but I'll put it up on the screen where you can see it. But Mark chapter 12 I want you to turn and we're going to read it. And you're going to say, oh, you're going to talk about money. No, it's really, it's about money, but it's not about money. I want you to see this story. Mark chapter 12 and verse number 41. And Jesus is sitting there and he's watching this whole thing take place. And I could almost see his disciples watching too and watching really closely what's going on. But let me go back to that point. Every point, is, every, place, every story is a teaching point. Look at verse number 41. It says, and Jesus sat over against the treasury. And beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him, called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow has cast more in than, that, than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Everybody knows this story, but I want to point out some things to you as we look at this. There's number one, there is a constant look. 
God is watching constantly of what's going on in our life. He's never shocked at what you're going through. He's never shocked at what America's going through. He knows what's going on. You know, if you want to you study some presidents that went through something, read some books about Abraham Lincoln. And that man went through a lot. And as I hear some of the stories, and then when he thinks everything's over, he goes to a theater, just a simple theater. And he dies in a theater after all the things that they did, they did to him. You read some things about the Civil War. Stonewall Jackson, have you ever read his, his life story? He was a Christian. He said numerous times he would not get down when the fighting was going. He would stand up and numerous times when he'd get down with the battle, they would look at his jacket he was wearing and, and the northern people were shooting at him and he'd have holes in his jacket where they, they'd shot through his jacket. They kept saying, listen, you need to get down. You need to get down. And yet he wanted his men to show that he was standing for what he thought was right. You know, we see some amazing things, but God is constantly, constantly doing this. By the way, this story is not about money. It's really much bigger than the finances. Look at this next part. This constant look is found in Matthew, Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Look at what Jesus says. We're almost done. It says in verse 41, And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld, what's the next word? How? I could almost see Jesus and he's sitting there and, and as he's sitting there, they know who he is. And he's sitting there watching when they're bringing their, their, their tithes in. And I guarantee you there were some wealthy men that came in and dropped their tithe and let him see how much, how they were doing it. He was watching how they were throwing it in. And I don't know about you, but when I study this story, I like to put myself in this story. You know what I, I think of in this story? Is I wonder how the widow came up and put her money in. I don't think, Cecil, for one second, she took her money and flipped it up in there where they could see it and she threw it in. I think if there's anything that she did, she probably walked where it was at, hid the money that she had in her, in her hand, and put it in where no one could see it. But Jesus was constantly watching her. And he, and he sits back and, you know, these other guys, they've, they've put in all this money and they've acted like they've done this, but God is constantly walking, watching. God is constantly watching and he's watching this thing and he sees what happens. Go to verse number 41 again. It says, And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury and many that were rich cast in much. So it says there's a bunch of people, Ray, that are throwing their money in and then this one widow woman comes up and she puts in just a little bit. Aren't you thankful that God's constantly watching us? You say, well, I don't know if I want him to watch. If you're doing right, you don't care if he's watching. Now, let me ask you this simple question. When you go into Walmart, do you see where the videos are? The cameras are? If you do, you're probably doing something wrong. Right? We've had this Christmas, we've had a, a Valentine's banquet here with, with couples here. And usually what I do is I go to Walmart and I get a bunch of um, Walmart cards. And I always ask the manager if I can do this. I'll get probably 25 to 30 Walmart cards, and then I'll get about three or four of them that have money. All the rest of them are empty. I'm always scared that people are going to think, and, I, and I've not done anything wrong. I've talked, to the, I've talked to the manager, say, I've got 25 of these in my pocket. They have nothing on them, and I show them to him. I put them in here. I said, this is what we're doing. We're going to give away money, and I, I want people to get cards and have nothing on them. It's kind of a weird thing. And, and so I try to barter with people as we're going. 
But when I walk out with those 25 in my pocket and I've already talked to the man, I, I feel guilty. Now, I might be different than most people, but when I go, off, go through the Walmart doors and they go and the Walmart, the alarm goes off, I stop. I've seen uh, um, Russ Moser, when the, when, this, when the alarm goes off, he takes off running. I don't know why. No, I'm just kidding. He doesn't do that. But that woke him up. Amen. You awake now? Okay. What do you do when the alarm goes off? What happens? You want to know what's, who's watching you. God constantly watches you. He knows you. Here we have the widow, and she puts in, and these wealthy people are just chucking in money, and they want Jesus to see how righteous they are. Money does not show how righteous you are. That's why we want to be equally a good example to anybody in this. It doesn't matter where your monetary value is. God, God is not checking it out and saying, oh, they're spiritual people. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. The constant watch. The second one is this. A deeper look at what goes on. Look at the next two verses in this story. In Mark chapter 12, it says this in verse number 42. All of a sudden, these rich people are throwing it in and Jesus is watching them. And then the, the deeper look is that then came a woman, a poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing, and he, call, and he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow has cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. Now when you look at it in perspective of what she's done, you've got to understand what she's given. It's pennies. And so you're looking at this, and if you're looking at it at a monetary value, she gave hardly anything. Her amount would not even help with any type of cleaning or anything of, of the church property at that point. But he finds it so interesting, this is a teaching point, that he brings his disciples. Because his disciples were men just like us, and people just like us, and they looked at face value, but Jesus looks at deeper things than that. To look and see what Luke says, watch this, it says, and he said, this is the same story, and he said of a truth, I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in, what's the next word? More than they all. Now, is that a true statement? It is in God's eyes, but it's not in our eyes. Because God sees a lot deeper than we do. See, we can give money for the wrong reasons. And you might not get anything from it. And I'm going to share a story with you that I've shared with the church before, but I, it really hits home and I always think of this story. I was in college once and there was a guy that had, have you ever seen the, the people that have a, a shorter leg so he had a higher shoe up? And he had tripped and he had fallen. I'd just been at a banquet. I had $75 in my pocket. They gave me extra $75 plus they paid me for the, the hourly rate. And I remember going through and I wanted to go through and for some reason, I don't know why, Brother Castle, but I went the, a different way through the dormitory. I thought I'm going to save some time. And when I went through, I went through the bathroom and here's this guy that I knew had a, a problem with his leg. And he had a red washcloth in his hand and I looked at him, I said his name, I said, what are you doing? And he looked up and he had bit through his lip. And he had tripped over something in a study room and he had tripped and he had bit through his lip. And, and the red washcloth was actually white to begin with. He was trying to get the blood to stop. And so I had, an, I had and I looked at him and I said, what are you doing? You need to go get your lip fixed. And then I made the mistake of making this statement, Randy. I said, how much would it cost to get your lip fixed? Guess what he said? Seventy-five dollars. 
I looked at him for a split second and said, good luck on that. And I went back to my room. I went back to my room. and I'll never forget my roommates were in their room and I, and I started talking to myself. No, 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 no. I'm not going to do it. Not gonna, and, and the Holy Spirit's just going, you need to do this. No, I don't want to do it. And, and I remember one of my roommates, Randall, he goes, what is wrong with you? I said, nothing. No, no, no. I'd worked hard for that money all day, and that was a lot of money back then. And, and, and then, I, then out of, I just got so frustrated. I got up out of my chair, and I went to him. He was in the bathroom. This is where I'm telling you, you, give, you can give money and not, it not make a difference in your life. I've used this example numerous times. I took that money, and I hit him in the chest with it. I said, go get your lip fixed. And I walked out. I want to tell you something. When I walked away, I didn't feel good at all. I think it was a, a point in my life where I realized, you know, you need to do right with the right attitude. Because you know what? We can do this, and I'm, just very, I'm an open book with you on this story. It really irritated me. What really irritated me was because I did not have the right attitude. I would later go back and apologize to him for my attitude. And I remember him, him showing me his lip where he had stitches in his lip. But see, I had worked hard for that money. That money meant everything to me. But God sent me a route to bless somebody and I, did I bless them? I blessed them, but guess what? I didn't get a blessing. I can tell you this, I'll never do that again. But you know, as I look at this, there's a definitely diff, a deeper um, look that Jesus looks in everything. The first one was, um, he, he has a constant look. The second one is a deeper look, but he also has an all-knowing look. Look at this last verse and we'll be done. In Mark chapter 12, verse 44, the same story as we've already read, but it says at the very end, it says, For all they, the rich people, did cast in their abundance. But you know what? The rich people in this story had other money that they could deal with. They still had a good living. But look what he says about her. But she, or her want, did cast in all that she had, even all her living. You know what this tells me? That this lady... When she does this, this all-knowing look that God sees, knows that she is going to have to live by faith. Because she has no more. Aren't you thankful for the hope we have in God? Aren't you thankful that we're not, that, that we're not God? I'm thankful. Because if I were to look at this story in a, in a synopsis of this story... If I saw everybody coming in, all the kings or whatever would come in or all the businessmen that would come in and throw their money in and throw their money in and you would see all different types of people that do this. And if I were to see the, the, the widow come in and put what she put in, I would not be overly impressed with her. Would you? She'd just be a person that put in there and they might come in with handfuls and throw their money in. But I almost can picture her with her spirit having her hand closed and putting it down. And when she put it in, I wonder at the last minute if she ever thought, how am I going to survive? But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And there's hope in my future if I do what God wants. Boom. And she left. If I were to take a picture of everybody coming in, no one would even notice her. But I'm thankful. God sees different than I do. There's been times when God's asked me to do things. I go, I can't do it. 
But then you just got to claim Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. The hope is not in you. The hope is in our Savior. And He sure does love you. Aren't you thankful for the hope He gives you? He doesn't look like you. He doesn't act like you. And aren't you thankful for that? What would the world be like if God was like us? With every head bowed and every eye closed.